Hi, thanks for joining us for our fourth episode here at the Restorative Divorce Podcast through the law firm of Aaron Burt. I'm Aaron Burt. I am an attorney mediator, and I'm joined with my paralegal, Tyler Burt, today. Nice to talk to you again. All right. So today we wanted to talk about ending a marriage when alcohol abuse or addiction is involved. Um, it might also be a warning sign that you might be divorcing either too soon or too fast. So we thought it would be really interesting to discuss uh, things that you can either expect or that you might go through if you are ending a marriage where alcohol abuse or addiction is present. And today we're going to highlight the stages of change that you or your family might go through, some risks to be aware of, and some resources that hopefully can help stabilize the situation to allow the divorce to move forward. Sounds good. Tyler, just in our past, in our history, do you think that um, alcohol has influenced people's divorce process? Yes, very much so. Um, it, alcohol and substance abuse is a is a very serious thing, and it causes a, a lot of stress within the family. Um, you know, when somebody is in the midst of the abuse itself, you know, there are highs and lows, and um, the, the family, you know, including spouses and extended family and children, especially, you know, have to deal with those uh, highs and lows. So, so yes, you know, it is, um, uh, we've, we've dealt with it in our firm and our past clients and, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's a, it's a big issue. Yeah. And it's not only a, unfortunately, bumpy road within the family dynamic, it, it, it's a bumpy road for the divorce process. Um, because the spouse, uh, maybe that isn't abusing alcohol, but lives with the person that is, is experiencing those highs and lows, both within their just family relationship. But if you start the divorce process, you're going to have some highs and lows in that process as well. Yeah. And knowing that that um, behavior that you've experienced for maybe a long time within your family is going to also play out during the divorce process can help set some expectations for how to handle those highs and lows in your divorce process. I think we should uh, mention, you know, your background. You're not just an attorney. You're also a certified addiction counselor. So, you know, that is a benefit. You have a lot of insight into uh, handling people with, you know, addictions. So, no, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I was just, uh, I met somebody for coffee yesterday and we were just talking a little bit about why I have a, a CADC, a certified alcohol and drug counseling degree. And, um, you know, I was a divorce attorney before I went back to, um, back to school. And one of my motivators for doing that was experiencing a lot of families under a tremendous amount of stress um, that they were either coping with alcohol or the other party was coping with alcohol or they were addicted to alcohol. And I saw that trend over and over again. And it was one of my motivations to go back to school, to learn more about it, to help the families, the divorcing families that I work with, and to also understand better the process that somebody either with an active addiction or active abuse issues or somebody in recovery, um, you know, how to better help the situation as a divorce professional and maybe understand better or predict better 
the ups and downs, but also then be supportive of my client if they have alcohol problems or be supportive of a spouse that, you know, is living with that stressor um, and also working with our office. So, um, yes. So I, you know, I used to have a, I don't know why I'm going into this. I apologize, but I used to have a um, DUI counseling business where we um, actually had risk education courses. We did outpatient counseling for substance abuse um, issues, and that just tremendously helped um, in handling divorce cases. So sometimes, um, segueing from that into the divorce process, you know, there are a lot of parallels. I think that um, somebody contemplating making a change with their substance use, they go through the almost the same stages of change that somebody contemplating needing a divorce goes through. Um, and in our industry, I think it's known that for somebody to actually call a divorce law firm, they've, they've gone through a lot of thought and um, a lot of different stages of analysis before they've actually made that decision to talk to a divorce attorney. And that is the same, whether knowing or unknowingly, that a person goes through when they are realizing that their substance use is affecting themselves or other people and they don't know what to do about it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, both stressful activities, divorce and alcohol abuse, um, a lot of people might not realize they need to change anything. They might not realize their marriage is changing. They might not realize that their substance use is causing a problem. And that's usually where in, they're in that what's called pre-contemplation phase where they don't really need to, you know, change anything. Um, but at some point, things come to a head. Either people start realizing, hmm, maybe this is beyond me. And they start maybe doing some research. They start contemplating what they're going to do. And maybe they're looking into things online as to what they can do. And again, there's a parallel people that are like, wow, am I drinking too much? Might be Googling, am I drinking too much? Nice. And reading about that. And another person who might be saying, I don't know if his marriage is working, you know, why do people divorce? And they might be Googling that. And so they're in that stage of, they haven't yet opened their world to somebody else, but they're, they're contemplating something might be amiss here. Mm -hmm. At some point, they may make a determination that, there is an issue. Divorce related, there's an issue in my family. Substance abuse related, maybe I've, I've had some really hard times here um, and I'm recognizing I've got to change. And so maybe they make a, a determination and come up with some strategies for how they're going to, to change and take some action. Um, and then you will see people actually reaching out and talking to others mm -hmm. um, or being open to hearing from others that, hey, some changes need to be made here. And so then they go into maybe an action stage where they're reaching out. They're calling our office or um, somebody is talking to them pretty frankly about, hey, you know, maybe there's somebody out there to speak to and maybe they're um, either exploring a 12-step program or they're talking to a counselor. Um, but it's that action stage that I think a lot of movement happens and that adds a lot more stress too. Yeah. And it's not linear. It's important to know that these stages of change do not go from recognizing a problem all the way to action. Mm -hmm. It can 
vary. You can go back and forth. And it's those highs and lows that you've experienced when you weren't working on an issue. Those highs and lows follow you, even sometimes if you already determine and try to take a step forward. And you might go back and you might say, this isn't for me. I don't want to do this. And so those are those highs and lows that my clients should expect in a divorce process. We might make some progress forward. We might go back. That is the nature of substance abuse. That is the nature of addiction. And it's often the nature of divorce. Yeah. We go forward. Yeah. We go back. Right. Ultimately, we're trying to um, get this done and have everybody in a better spot than they were before. So just recognizing the stages of change and the you know similarities between alcohol abuse stages of change and deciding if you're going to divorce is important for people to know your process maybe shouldn't go extremely fast. It might go slower than other people's, but there's reasons for it. And we're here to support you through those stages of change. And I think we've said it before. Every case is different. Every family is different. Every situation is different. Um, there and are similarities, but you know, when we would say you can't rely on what your friend says about how their divorce went, you know, because everybody is different. Right. And we uh, understand that and, you know, work in your situation. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think are some risks if you're either so stressed out, you're incapable of understanding these stages of change. You want to move forward as quickly as possible, or or maybe you just don't understand what's going on and you're so stressed out that you don't even know if you want to help somebody deal with substance abuse or you want to divorce. What, what are some risks that people should be aware of? What are they? Well, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, some of your risks are safety. Yeah. I mean, that's number one whether you're divorcing or not, you always have to assess your safety. Um, are your children safe? Are you safe? Are your assets safe? Right. right. Because substance abuse is very unpredictable and you don't really know if it's a quote unquote good day, bad day. You don't know if somebody's functioning while still inebriated. Um, and so there's issues of trust. There's issues of safety. Um, and if you don't proceed with trying to find some resources to help your family as a whole. I think you're putting your children at risk for, um, you know, an accident or not being properly, um, you know, monitored or parented and you put yourself at risk, you know, fights can escalate pretty quickly. And, um, you know, you just have to make sure that, you might not want to address the situation, but it really is important to try to address the situation, I believe, either while you're doing your divorce planning or before you file for divorce, if yeah. it's if, if everybody's safe. Yeah. Yeah. I think another um, risk you have is, is wasting assets. And when I say wasting assets, it's a concept of dissipation in the divorce world, that somebody wasting assets on things that are not helping your family mm -hmm. and alcohol or drugs or spending an inordinate amount of time, you know, socializing um, or going to a bar or, you know, just depleting um, your assets to purchase things to assist you with your abuse or addiction. Um you know, that's a huge risk yeah. that if you're not addressing the issue that that can continue to go on. 
Yeah. And, and then can, go ahead. Can, Sorry. can go quickly. The, you know, um, in the, the, the lows of a, um, addiction, uh, you know, alcohol abuse. I mean, the financial assets can, can move pretty quick, you know, so it's, it's, it's good to be aware and on top of it you right. know, as you're planning or, you know, into your action plan. Right. And it might be that the person doesn't even realize that they're wasting assets. Yeah, they're right. so deep in their um, addiction that they're just, you know, they're, yeah, they're and- not focusing on what are the risks? What are the hardships that my addiction's costing us? Right. And, and I think, um, you know, alcohol abuse, right, is probably the hardest one to realize that assets are being depleted, right? Substance abuse, pretty straightforward. There's money going to illicit, you know, drugs or whatever, uh, gambling addictions, right? That yeah. goes different places, but alcohols, it's socially acceptable. It's readily everywhere, available. you know, and so it's not as easy. It can be, can be hidden more, especially from the, um, the alcoholic or the person currently in their, the midst of their addiction. Cause you know, you can buy alcohol anywhere. So as you know, professionals, right. We need to look at statements and try to determine if something is from, you know, the grocery store. Well, was that groceries or was that something else? You know, I mean, right. So, and people get really clever in their addiction as to how they source their substance. Right. You know, they might be going to Walgreens all of the time thinking that their statement's just saying they're picking up odds and ends at Walgreens. Yeah. yeah it's so. not. So, yeah. So it, it, it definitely adds an extra layer of awareness and investigation and analysis. I think another risk that you face if you're not going to be able to or not willing to address um, alcohol abuse in your family is um, that person's functioning level. Mm-hmm. They might be going to work. They might be full-time employees. They might be, you know, coaching their kids. They might be doing a lot of things while still functioning with substance abuse or substance addiction. And on the legal side of it, we have to think, does that addiction, if we know about it, um, influence whether they can negotiate a parenting plan or a financial settlement? Are they able to sign an agreement to finalize your case. Yeah. And so screening for substance use issues and addiction in a legal environment is very important. Some things that can help you is if they're if they hire an attorney, mm-hmm. it does shift that burden to that attorney making the determination as to whether that client can enter into agreements. Um it gets really hard because a lot of people that their marriage is failing due to substance abuse, they might not have a lot of money and they're hoping to get this done with one attorney or mm-hmm. on their own. That's extremely risky because you might end up with what you think is a finalization of your divorce. And if if the person that was suffering from the addiction comes back and says, I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't, you know, I was not having the capacity to sign that agreement, that's risky. Yeah. It's very risky. It's a big risk. So why don't we talk a little bit about how we can help clients stabilize the situation so that they can start divorce planning. Um, Maybe some resources out there to allow the divorce to move forward, but also provide help for everybody in the family. Support. 
Yeah. Support's number one. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's many different kinds of support. What do you think is helpful for somebody that um, is going through this? You know, there's a few, uh, right? There's, a, there's different options, you know, uh, obviously counseling, both individual counseling. Um, obviously, if you're not, if you're not the one with the uh, uh, addiction or, you know, alcohol abuse, mm-hmm. you're not the one with the problem, right? Obviously, individual counseling can be very helpful. Um, you can make that decision to go, you know, you can't make you know, your spouse or significant other, mm-hmm. you can't make them do individual counseling, but you know, for you, you know, but family counseling, mm-hmm. you know, as a family, um, going to counseling that can be very beneficial. Yeah. Uh, and look for somebody that has a designation as a CADC or higher, yeah. um, because they will have the education experience and background to help with many issues, including substance abuse and substance addiction. Yep. That's a good point. I think, you know, family is always there. Um, extended family, you can rely on them for additional support, whether that just be emotional support or financial support. But no, you can't always drain or expect uh, family to be there. Mm-hmm. So professional help is really helpful. And there are free options out there. There's 12-step programs. Yeah, yeah. 12-step programs for alcohol, for addictions, uh, for the family members. Um, Obviously, there's, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous. There's uh, Narcotics Anonymous, you know, on the substance abuse side. Uh, Mm -hmm. Al-Anon is uh, the 12-step program for the family members of the alcoholic or, uh, you know, substance abuse person. you know, and those, um, you know, those programs can be very beneficial to all involved, depending on, uh, you know, what capacity you need them for. Yeah. And the 12 step programs, <clears throat> not only do you get education, you get um, the benefit of hearing other people's stories and what they've been through. Um, you get a sponsor. It's a built in support system right. that will help you or help the other person navigate divorce, um, navigate just the alcoholism or the addiction issue. Um, And there are many other programs out there. There are non-12-step programs. There are non-faith-based programs. We'll cover those at a different podcast. Um, But in general, just knowing the stages of change, knowing your risks, knowing there are resources out there, individual counseling, as well as 12-step programs. And you can locate those online. You can, you know, AA even does programs online, or you can look, you know, your local hospital might have, um, uh, you know, sessions for services for you to go to. So looking into those things, I think can really help you understand when to divorce, how your divorce process is going to go, and that maybe you might be moving too fast if we have some of these issues, let's try to stabilize the situation for the health of everybody involved. And then your divorce process can move forward in a much better manner. And also you can be assured that when you are divorced, if you've taken some of these steps, um, you've got a valid enforceable judgment. Thanks for joining us. 